I'm Chad Rutherman. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket. Form and function are one. Today, we're going to be talking about Gora Goa, uh, which was a game that was developed by Jason Roberts, published by Annapurna Interactive, and it was released in 2017 on Windows, iOS, Android, Switch, PS4, and Xbox One. But first, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Give us a like. Give, Give us a like. like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gorgoa is a puzzle game. Uh, Cut and Dry is a puzzle game. Not complicated. Mm-hmm. I feel very vindicated for once. Uh, and in it, it uses a 4x4, four 2x2 four, two two, in fact, 4 mm-hmm. blocks <laughs> uh, picture structure that you can freely move around, uh, and then each one of those four squares has an interactable element to it. Uh, and it, you get up to much shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, and there's like a lot of layered images where like you'll move one, and then there will be something underneath of it, and then mm-hmm. you can like zoom out and in and all kinds of stuff. You can take things that aren't attached to another thing and stick them yeah. on that thing. It's great. Uh, and so that's sort of the, sort of the core conceit of it. Um, and it's all backdropped by this, like, I don't know how to describe it other than, but it is a very specific art style. Yeah. It, it's going for a sort of light contemplative, uh, there's not a ton of detail except when you get like, it's real zoomed in, then there's like an alarming amount of detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it follows roughly a character, um, but there's no dialogue in the game, uh, there's no text, there's nothing for you to like pick up on, so it is all just uh, pictorial and uh, sort of interpretive uh, as to what is actually happening in the world of the game, or if it is all just abstract. Yeah, it's a very like illustrative style, um, kind of like a woodblock print kind of look, I think. Um, yeah, and it, I, I think my interpretation is it follows just one guy, mm-hmm. um, and it seems to have a kind of like, um, like a non-linear sort of narrative going on. Yeah. It's either, to me, it reads either as non-linear or like explicitly going backwards, uh, and then, but looking back on the forward journey <laughs> that is more symbolic than anything else. Yeah, like I wanted. I comp- was thinking I was comparing it to Arrival, okay. uh, the sci-fi movie, in my head, where it's like he has these moments of like clarity, or um, something like that, um, where he gains information from his own future or gains information from his own past at certain points. Okay. I could That's kind of how I was it. thinking of it. Yeah. Yeah, I I've now in fact played this game two times. Uh, and neither time did I give too much thought to what the actual plot or like what story it was trying to tell. Mm-hmm. It was a very purely like emotional experience, yeah. As far as like the actual what the with the narrative elements of the game went, uh, and also I never really considered the all the characters to be the same person until the end of my first playthrough mm. and then playing through it again actually did give me a little bit of insight on that 
Uh, because going through it just seemed because there were there would be parts where you'd be able to see both characters at the same time, mm-hmm. but obviously it's in different like Gora Gona verses, yes, uh, <laughs> as they're known. Different but, corner universes, yeah. So like you would be in one and he'd be at a desk, and then he'd be at a desk asleep in a different one, and I was like, clearly they're two different people. <laughs> uh-huh. You can't have two people in the same on the screen at the same time who are the same person. Yeah, I think like the the repetition is what like implied it to me because it's like you have like the same like you know like the the teenage version who mm. appears multiple times and the old guy version who appears multiple times so. And then, like, the present-day version that is the guy walking around with yeah. a bowl. <laughs> uh, yeah, because we, what we need to get into, uh, for all the gamers in the audience, is that this game is actually about putting stuff in a bowl. Uh-huh. You, what you want <laughs> to do... To sacrifice to a god. Yeah. I mean, eventually. <laughs> They're not going to have the attention span for you. You got to get right down to it. You got to put fruit in a bowl. Mm-hmm. Different color fruit, same color bowl. Same bowl, actually. Um... And really, like it's it's one of the, this is one of those games that like I don't know uh, where we want to actually talk about uh, or to where we want to start talking about uh, because I really just do not have all that much to say about this game. Mm. It's it's a very I, I worried about this when I played it the first time. I was like, it is cool, and I do want to talk about it if for no other reason than to like put the name of the game. On the internet, yeah. so that someone might see it and Google it, because it is very cool uh, and a thing that I ended up liking a lot. But it is not a game that like really drew me into mm. it in a way that that I don't know. I mean, I guess it did, but it's very <laughs> short. Yeah, uh, I've mostly I played both times in in essentially one sitting. This time was split up by a few hours, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I guess where I wanted to start was I just I wanted to compare it to a Samogo game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a developer we've covered on on the podcast a handful of times. Um, where it's like I feel like I mean obviously artists work on every game uh, that's made, but like this game feel in Samogo's games tend to feel like they have like more of an artistic idea at their core, um, and. Like, um, we were talking before we started, and we always come up with a dumb slogan uh-huh. um, to go at the beginning of the episode, and all of mine were art-focused, because I kept thinking of this through that kind of lens, where I feel like, more than any game I think I've ever played, I, I could see this game hanging in an art gallery, like on a on a TV just displayed in a gallery where people could walk up and interact with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it would feel right at home in that kind of a setting. Like I, I feel like part of that is like just the four panel structure makes it so approachable and like easy to initially grasp, and then it kind of reveals its complexities to you uh, as it like unfolds. Like I, there's just something I think kind of captivating about like the presentation of it. Because um, it just seems so simple on the surface, uh, but then there's like a lot of layers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, and I can kind of see that. I think that the the game's actual art style leads a lot to that conclusion because it is um, it, it's very painterly. It has like a clear foreground and background elements uh and they have to be clear because they're mechanically important they're things that you can click and zoom in on 
and get closer to uh, and further away from different things in order to use them mechanically in the game. Uh, but it, it, I think that lens, it makes everything have a very strong composition. Uh, it, it Everything looks very clear as to what it is, and it feels good to, to see and, and do. And also, there's just, like, a lot of interesting color in this game. I think it, it, this is one of those... Uh, there are games that I would describe as colorful, mm-hmm. and this isn't really one of them, but it is It is colorful, but it isn't the way that you're thinking. Like, when you say colorful, I get, like, kind of a cartoony feel. Yeah. And this has more of a, uh, just, it's, like, bright, and but pastel, and, like, kind of muted. It has a lot of different, like angles that it takes uh mm-hmm. to show all the different things yeah it's just got good use of color yeah yeah it's 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 got a little bit more artistic flair like there are some parts where like you're you're moving the kid from like one panel to another and like the panel you start out in you're coming from like a light area and then you the, it's going to transition to like a more shadowed area mm-hmm. and like you don't even notice at first till like you come back to it that like there is like a gradient of like the the edge of the panel is like shadowed and you're like oh yeah okay these fit together and it's like a nice natural uh makes one big picture on the bottom two squares right and it like fits together real nice and it also uses that as a way to like that's in a in microcosm that scene uh shows how the game likes to use the art and also the way that you fit the different pieces together to show passage of time that is yeah from day to night, but there are also ones that show passage of time in in the uh, at the scale of like civilizations. You're looking at something like old broken ruin, and then like a more modern bus stop. Like it's it's there's a a difference between them, and it uses the fact that you can like pick stuff up and move it over top of other things in order to show that change. Uh, so yeah, it is cool in that way. And it gives you a lot to, like, sink your teeth into. Yeah, and it, it, I feel like it actually, like, the art meets the complexity of the puzzle design in a lot of places. Um, like I know, like, something I've heard, like, comic book artists talk about is, like, breaking the panel mm-hmm. and having art, like, actually, like, break the border of the panel and, like, like how that's, like, kind of hard to pull off and, like, when to do it, when not to do it. And, like, I feel like this game does that sort of thing where they, like... They really push like like one panel will feed into another in like a natural way, but then it'll also do it at like multiple zoom levels. Mm-hmm. Like there's the one puzzle where the like rocks fall out of the tin can or whatever it is, and you have to like get it to fall out and then like zoom out and then like move a piece and then zoom it in and get to get it to go all the way down and like break a um glass covering to like free a moth or whatever yeah um so yeah it's it's really it's really clever how like the puzzle design and the visual design like work together yeah that ends up being it's it's weird because it shows sort of the many faces of this game because that is probably one of the most memorable puzzles in the game because you do have to you have to move with purpose and actually do it in order to have enough time uh because you have to like catch the rock as it falls from the bottom panel or from the top panel to the bottom panel and then move back up so that it can fall down again. Uh, and it's, and that is in itself interesting because there isn't like anything else like that in the game. 
But because there's nothing like that in the game, it's one of those things where you go, oh, like, this is one way that they can use this. Mm -hmm. And then you go back and you say, oh, okay, well, this is a totally different way. Because what you end up doing after you free the moth is zooming in on it and pulling uh, a piece, like one of the the squares, Mm -hmm. from the resulting image uh, so that you have another thing to work with. Uh, which is more consistent with the rest of the game, but also is in itself kind of unique. You do the moth thing twice, but mm-hmm. like you are pulling this thing out, and they, it's not something that you do all the time. The game just likes to introduce new ways to work with what it gives you. Yeah, it, it has a handful of different like little tricks like that, and I think it does a really good job of like mixing up like what you're doing at any given time to give the game like kind of a unexpected but kind of like natural flow to it. Yeah, and never too difficult. No, yeah, I think it, it hit a sweet spot. Um there are a co- there were a couple spots that like stumped me for a second, but like I never got anywhere close to like feeling like I needed to look up a solution. Yeah. I think this game's existence as like a mobile game in the fact that it does have a mobile version mm-hmm. uh is almost like a part of that cuz it, it makes I think back to like when we think about puzzle games that we've played that are like not Tetris, like not a match three game, not uh-huh. something that feels arcadey, something like that is specifically, Monument Valley or something. Yeah, like Monument Valley feels like a puzzle game and one that is is a puzzle game and also feels never so challenging that it is uh, like difficult to do and was promoted as a mobile platform thing. And then we've also played, like, hardcore puzzle games for puzzle game people, like Bobby is You or, like, Steven Sausage Roll, which we didn't talk about on the podcast. Uh, but so hard. They both just kicked our ass. Like, we got, we each got, like, decently far into Bob is You, but we, we all... Hit a re- wall really hard. Yeah, we hit a point where we were like, <laughs> we can't progress. Like, it's too difficult at this point. Uh and this game, this game feels like it is very dedicated to being a puzzle game, but is easy enough or, like, doesn't give you so many options at all times that anyone is pretty much able to get through it, um, which I liked. I, it's, it's like, this is a puzzle game, and it is its puzzles are easier than most <laughs> old adventure game puzzles, because it just makes sense. It's like a, a physical thing. Yeah, yeah, there is, like, an intuitiveness to it. Um, And it it doesn't have that problem where, like, you can just start fucking with everything and just solve it on accident. Yeah. Um, But it it does have just enough, like, leeway that, like, if you're not quite sure what to do, you start moving things. And then you're like, oh, and then it clicks. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it falls into a nice, like, sweet spot, I think. Yeah, I hit, I know... I can most, I'm mostly speaking from my second playthrough, which we'll talk about, I guess, after this. Mm-hmm. I I have a bit on playing <laughs> this game twice. Sure. Uh, but the, like, on this playthrough, there were, like, two areas that stumped me, uh, like, more than other places. And it was interesting both times because the first one was really early on. It was uh, one of the puzzles before the game even gives you, like, the cold open. Uh, Mm. So it has, like, during the cold open, I guess, before it gives you its title. uh, During one of the first times that you do, like, the red apple puzzle, 
And I was doing it, and it was like, I don't even remember exactly what it was that stumped me on it. It was just like a thing that I hadn't thought to like move. And then there was something behind it. And I was like, oh, right, that's the thing that this game does. And then the second time was at the very end of the game uh, after you get to the point where you have the thought bubble and the you can choose like hand gestures to tell the kid to go in one direction or another. And so both of those puzzles stopped me, but for totally different reasons. Like the first one stopped me because I, it needed me to learn something about the game. Mm -hmm. And then the last one stopped me because it was the game actually getting to its point of being like, this is like the most complicated thing we can do with this mechanic set. Uh, And I like that. I like that the game took its time. It let the player be lost a little bit in order to teach them something. And then that information actually served me well for the rest of the the game. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It just felt good. I feel like maybe people, some people (laughs) who are hardcore puzzle people might be like, this is dummy bullshit garbage for babies. But I think most people would play this game and say that it feels like it hits a good curve. I'm glad that you brought that up because I feel like um, one one of the things I wanted to say was like, I feel like, this game has kind of like a portal kind of vibe to it in the sense that like, you kind of have to like start thinking with portals, you know, like you have to kind of acclimate your brain to like how um, the mechanics work, like how like at any like given zoom level, you have to like maybe check to see if there's anything underneath now that you can like now separate the panels. And there's like a little like visual and like mechanical language to it that it does take a second. Like, it can stump you at the beginning when you're adjusting to that. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to, to make that comparison. Because, like, not every puzzle game is like that. No, yeah. You you have to learn the game's language to an extent because it has stuff that is invisible to you and the game doesn't have text for its own purposes. So, it like, it does have to fool you for a second and get you to try everything before you realize like what you're actually capable of doing. Mm-hmm. So it is good. Uh, I don't want to mention right at this, at this juncture, just for the record, we talked about this twice before once <laughs> on devil may cry for me and once on some other game for <laughs> you. Cause it was your experience and I now have forgotten it. Uh huh. Uh, that when you are familiar with the game, oh, yeah. but not so familiar that you just know everything, they're like holes. Uh, playing a puzzle game twice is something that I don't think I've ever done and fucking sucks to do. <laughs> because I would be in situations where I'd just be like running through a thing. I'm like, oh, I know how to do this. Bah, 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 bah. And then I would just get to a point where I would go, uh-oh, I've missed something. And then was just fucked for 20 minutes while I tried to backtrack and figure out what it was I was supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. I think I brought this up on both Ocarina of Time and uh, Earthbound. Yeah, that makes Um, sense. Yeah, like this phenomenon of like replaying a game and like remembering enough of it that you have like an inkling of what you're maybe supposed to be doing, but too much information to have like that fresh experience yeah so you can like end up tripping yourself up like trying to do things before it's time to do them and like not and you you know kind of getting in your own head and blurring what it is your goal might be at the at the given moment yeah and that was i feel like we talked about it as if it was this sort of like kind of rare experience like this worst case scenario (laughs) for when you replay a game 
and you don't pay attention to the stuff that's trying to teach you stuff because you think you know all of it. Yep. But in this case, I think that 100% of puzzle games must be like this. Because <laughs> you can't remember every element of every puzzle in a game until you've played it like a dozen times. Yeah. So I think that from the second playthrough, you're just boned. <laughs> yeah, like replaying something like the Talos Principle would probably have that problem. Oh yeah, I would be totally ruined if I tried that today. That's also, we did that. That's a puzzle game. Yeah. Chalk it up. Not so dumb now, are we? <laughs> All right, hit me. What's up? What's next? Um, hmm. I have in my notes that the Gora Goa Eye feels like a, like eldritch horror a little bit to me. Yeah. it it's It reminds me of eldritch horror, the sky whale, mm-hmm. the sky fish. The the wind fish. The wind fish, yes. Yeah. Uh and Toem. Mm. A it, little bit of like uh like Mexican uh art as well, like the art style, like some Quetzalcoatl energy. It does have big <laughs> Quetzalcoatl energy. Uh <laughs> uh, but just like a thing that is big and mysterious. And is sort of in the periphery of a lot of the things that you do in the game, mm-hmm. uh, but doesn't really get ever a thorough explanation. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I, it's one of those things that it made me think about, um, as I was saying earlier, how it felt like the game felt like it was like a nonlinear, almost like cyclical kind of story. Um, and there's like a lot of circular imagery and like the eye, mm-hmm. which also kind of looks like a sun. And like there's also like the sun is part of, like, different uh, puzzles where, like, you have to fit it into things to, like, rotate stuff. Once again, rotation, (laughs) cyclical. Uh, It just felt like there were some visual themes there that I thought it was cool that the, like, antagonist or, you know, like, the opposing force in the narrative, uh, like, tied into in an interesting way. Um, Like, in, like, kind of, it felt like the main character was kind of trying to, like, gain enlightenment and like it's like oh trying to like gain enlightenment of like an unknowable god sort of thing you know <laughs> just made me think of some interesting stuff like that yeah well it's actually just the video game adaptation of Dragon Ball Z <laughs> uh, oh, you had to collect you had to collect all the different colored like apples dragon or apples whatever they are yeah yeah and then uh, and then the big dragon shows him grants him a wish <laughs> and his wish is to uh, live his life over again, an infinite number yeah, and of times. not have to worry about doing this his whole life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I agree with that, and also the way that they handle the like, I'm gonna put it in quotes here, the creature, because I do believe it is mostly supposed to be metaphorical. Yeah, like representational. Yeah, it is. Uh, I-, I think it's perfect. I think they do a really good job of of letting it be there and like you see it it mm-hmm. it like signals that you've solved puzzles like a, occasionally like, kind of like a big brother like the, the eye is always watching eye is always watching you and then sometimes it like swims across the mm-hmm. the cityscape and looks real cool uh it, it is such a cool design that i'm glad that we see it as much as we do but also too much of an eldritch god <laughs> For us to see it too much, because that would ruin the effect. Yeah. So it ends up being, I think, just great. Yeah, uh, yeah, well all handled. All. Yeah. 
Um, and then I just kind of like, I already brought up the puzzle. Um, which one did I bring up? The one where you dropped the rock. Yeah. Where you dropped the rock. Um, I, I just wanted to also bring up the, the one that stumped me the most, um, is there's a part where I think you're like maybe like middle-aged or adult age guy is like <laughs> sitting in a chair in a room next to like a nightstand type thing. And it's got three objects on it. Um, and you can like zoom into them and it takes you to these like more detailed areas where he's like maybe a younger man and he's like walking along and it will make different things like rotate. And, um, and then like in another panel, you have like, your kind of like your main progression panel where you're trying to get the boy all the way through all of these pictures and, you know, I had to cross things over and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but overall, I think the puzzle is really cool and I like that it's got, so many different layers on so many different panels. Um, but I did not realize that you could like the, the, um, furthest level of zoom, uh, was available to me. So it's just like spent probably like 45 minutes on that one. Just like not knowing what to do before I found that I could zoom in even further and yeah. find little pictures that I needed to rotate yeah, to a certain I, position. <laughs> I was on the lookout for that. Um, this time through because i i played it today uh, <laughs> i was very on top of this episode and no one can tell me otherwise uh-huh. uh and i was on i was like okay like what's the clue for this because i wanted to make sure that like because so much of this game is well designed uh i was like there must be something you actually start at that zoom level oh, yeah. and zoom back <laughs> out from it which one makes a lot of sense as to why you would forget that because you do that all the time the game is always like putting you either at the furthest away or furthest yeah. close you'll zoom out from a thing and then you can can't zoom back to that level that happens all the time yeah because it's like introducing a new scene and it's how it progresses to new stuff yeah and then the other thing though is that this that section of the game which i would just call act two because Uh it is like most of the game is like this one set of puzzles i was i was honestly a little bit disappointed coming back to it to see that there were like elements of the wheel and stuff that don't get used i realize it's important to have like something to yeah to throw the player off but it's such a a unique setup i think that it has too much going on at one time and i think it could have had more going on but spread out more and it would have really sung yeah i think that the thing for me at least that seems like the the issue that made it hard for me to realize is um, at the zoom level that I thought was the maximum zoom level, the stuff that you can zoom in more on feels like it's not detailed enough to stand out from the rest of like the usual background kind of details. Yeah. It's like on a big patterned wheel. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like these four little spots. So it's, it's really easy to overlook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's strange. Um, cause I, I honestly like remembered that you were playing it the other day Mm -hmm. and when i got there i still had to kind of like remind myself to go back so it is not obvious Mm -hmm. uh but overall i think an enjoyable puzzle though i agree i I think that part is is one of the strong that that feels like the biggest like playground for it because it does have those moving parts Mm -hmm. uh that a lot of the other ones only have like in bits and pieces 
Yeah, like another thing that I wish the game would have done a little more with is the second after that, like after the kids gotten off of the the bus or the train or whatever, um, there's a part where um, there's like a pile of junk to the left <laughs> and then like a middle area. And there's like a string or a wire that goes from one side to the other. And you have to like get the kid to the spot where the string is. And then you have to like move a different picture that like also like connects to that string to have him walk to a new spot. Like having visual elements that like in th- in this setup when it's these two panels, it's wire. But now <laughs> when you move it to a new spot, like and now it makes like a tail of something. You know, like yeah. it changes like what the object is. Uh, that was really cool. But they only really do that. Like a that one time, yeah. Unless I'm forgetting something. There's a couple of, of places I know. There's um, the one that came to mind immediately is not probably the best example of it, but there is a background element that is, uh, which you do have to take into consideration in order for two panels to like meld and become one. Uh, they do have to overlap perfectly in the middle, even if mm-hmm. the things aren't the same. Where it's like a there's a fan, like an oscillating fan. Oh yeah. And then the background has like a grating pattern on it, and those overlap uh, in that in that one, and that like makes a shelf wibble wobble. Right. Uh, which is obviously what you want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a few others. There's one that has like a tea kettle. That yeah, you yeah. stick on the bottom of a little like air pressure gauge uh, to become one thing, but that's really just turning one thing into itself. Yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah, like <laughs> I feel like there is like a little bit at least of a difference, but I might be hair splitting because like in those scenarios, like there's also the one where you have to make make the sun like into like a, a thing gear. that spins. Yeah. yeah, like by combining it with like the top of like a tower or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, that's just, like, taking, like, it's, like, what the whole image is, is, like, you're just, like, making a picture of a thing, whereas, like, the the wire is just, like, a background element, so it's, like, harder to notice. It's I, more transformative. Yeah, 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 like, I feel like there's, like, there's a little bit more to that idea, I think. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, like, when you talk about the string, right... You see that wire as a physical object in the world that the kid is directly... Not necessarily interact, he doesn't like pick it up or anything, but like he does see it and follow it, like he makes contact with it. Uh, whereas like the sun being a gear is way more obviously representative. Yeah. It's not a it's not actually the sun and the <laughs> thing that you're looking at is a zoomed in image on a vase. Like Yeah. It's very far from reality at that point, so uh, I do, I do yeah, like that. Stuff. It's like an element that like changes where the panels lead to mm-hmm. for the kid. Like I think that's a cool idea. Yeah, I like that this game has a. I I will call it, and people will prob maybe debate about this. I don't know how true this mm-hmm. statement is. I want to say it is a licensed soundtrack, mm. but it is bands that you nor I have ever heard <laughs> of, uh, but it gives like song, artist name, and album that they're from in the opening credits. Interesting. Yeah. And the soundtrack is what you would expect from this game. Uh, I, I feel like almost it weakens it because it is so... <laughs> 
exactly the soundscape you would expect from this game. Yeah, that you don't even notice it. Yeah, but or that's great. I don't know how <laughs> it's it's appropriate. <laughs> yeah, it really yeah, is. It, it doesn't like stand out though. Right. Uh, but I do like that they call it out in the game. I yeah. like that they've given credit to the artists that are actually featured on it, uh, including what album they're on. Like, that's neat and a feature that really you don't see ever. So mm-hmm. uh, I like that there was some appreciation. This is uh, obviously a one-man thing. It came from a game jam, uh, which when you finish the game, you unlock the ability to play the game jam game as well. Uh, there's a lot of overlap, but there's a few different puzzles. Mm-hmm. Much uh, like the game itself. Much like the game itself. A lot itself. of overlap. <laughs> uh, but you do get that, like, you can tell like the that he appreciates like being able to use the music mm-hmm. uh, and that the music fits so well, obviously. So uh, that's the note I had on music. Get it, note? <laughs> that's a pun. Oh, yeah. Also, I wanted to, I wanted to mention something. Uh, we talked about a game... Last year, year before, called Hyperlight. No, it isn't. It's called Hyperspace Hypnospace Outlaw. There you go. Got it in three. It's. I mean, that's maybe the best <laughs> I've done. Uh, we we talked about Hypnospace Outlaw and uh, made a comment on the episode about how we have no fucking idea how that game would work on the Switch because it got ported to mm. the Switch. Uh, this game's on the Switch. I played it on the Switch. I used the touchscreen on the Switch to play it, yeah. and I would never have even begun to think about doing that except the guy who made hypnospace outlaw fucking got in our comment section and was like hey dude the the touchscreen on the switch is actually really good oh, and that's yeah. how you can play hypnospace outlaw on it and i was <laughs> like oh right so that's good advice for this game as well if you do play it you and you get it on the switch mm-hmm. use touchscreen it feels real good I just wanted to bring this up, and I guess you bringing up Hypnospace Outlaw triggered it in my brain, uh-huh. um, that I feel like <laughs> meta indie games have poisoned my mind a bit, because <laughs> in the corner of the screen of this game is a little paper fold, mm. which you can click on to, like, op- it just opens a menu that has, like, a couple of options. I kept waiting the whole game to have to like do interact with that to solve a puzzle, mm-hmm. and you never do. Yeah, I don't know if this game. I feel like this game almost—it's weird because like the game itself is not metatextual at all. It's just it's—it has a meta mechanical element to it, mm-hmm. like having to fold down the page. Seems like it because it's speci- in a hundred percent because it specifically looks like a dog-eared. Thing. Yeah. yeah, we need to take a poll on this. Like, <laughs> is would it make no sense or perfect sense? Because I really feel like it's a coin flip. Here. Yeah. Uh, man. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't think about that. But that uh, that is there and does make you want it to do something. Yeah. Uh, other than be like level select green <laughs> to turn volume down slightly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, do we have f- fruit thoughts? <laughs> My sacrificial fruit thoughts uh, are uh, this game is is really lovely. Um, what are we talking about next time? <laughs> um, I, I it's just one of those games. Um, like every once in a while, you'll find something that just like feels like a really inspired idea. Um. 
It, like, like, the game itself didn't, like, blow me away, but, like, I just find myself really appreciating it. Um, I think as we were kind of, like, getting at um, again and again, like, there's just something really, like, intuitive and satisfying about this. It does almost kind of make you think of, like, a real kind of, like, wooden block puzzle or something, how, like, the parts fit together. Um, it can kind of, like, elicit some of those feelings. And, um, yeah, it just feels like a really inspired design um that's like it's probably like in one of the most impressive things about it i think is how like the art and the like the actual like mechanical puzzle design like work together so well in a lot of cases uh it feels like it would be really hard to design um but like all good art like that's completely invisible and all feels really effortless when you actually play it for yourself so i think this is like a really impressive little game um and i i appreciated that it was like kind of bite-sized this is a pretty short game and it feels like absolutely appropriate at that length um it feels like it gets like it's got a handful of different tricks and types of puzzles it does um with the mechanics and i think it it just, just like uh paces them out well and uh yeah it's just really satisfying and well designed all the way through so uh, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, um, I played this game for the first time about a year ago. It was a thing that we put on our list of games to talk about uh, because it struck our interest, seemed kind of cool, and so I bought it at one point and played through it and not realizing just how short the game was, ended up finishing it in, in one day. And I remember thinking, like, do I vouch for it, right? Like, do I say, yeah, let's talk about this. And it wasn't because I didn't like the game, because I really like the game. I think it's very good. It was like, are we going to have enough to talk about on it? And I think that's sort of like, <laughs> it's like, that's what's fighting me on this, because everything about it, I think, is very good. And I just want to have, I want to be able to have the conversation about the game that I feel like I am ill-equipped to have. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and so like, uh, whatever I say on the podcast, like I, I am hoping that it is like getting across, like there is something about this game that is very cool. Looks really nice. It sounds pretty good. And the puzzles themselves are so intricate and interesting and they have an almost like, I think you sort of brought it up. I mentioned it earlier. There's like almost a physicality to it. The way that you can imagine the thing in 3d space and, and have to move the pieces uh, makes for a really entertaining experience and something that I do recommend to people uh, just with the caveat that I am not apparently the one, to, the best person to sell it to you. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it is a very good game. It's just like, it's hard for me to put my finger on what it is that, that makes it sing for me. Uh, 10 out of 10, best game ever. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to No Clip Pocket this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about hidden folks. Folks who are hidden. A look and find game. Yes, for us <laughs> to play. Uh, and... <laughs> Until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro, uh, where you can find our 
Discord where you can give us suggestions for fanbruary. A link to our YouTube uh, where you can leave comments, leaving suggestions for fanbruary. Our email address where you could send us suggestions for fanbruary. Uh, our Twitter account where you could tweet us suggestions for fanbruary. Uh, and you can listen to all of our old episodes, including Everspace, which we did for fanbruary this year. Uh, or. <laughs> Or Prey. Or Prey. Which we did for Fan Brewery this year. And who could forget um, Killing, well, Killing Zone. Zone, which we did for Fan Brewery this year. And uh, last but not least, of course, um, uh, The Bouncer, which we did for Fan Brewery this year. Yeah, so you could be among these storied halls of game. By leaving a suggestion. By mom. By mom. Hidden my game by mom. Not by fit. In fact, we didn't even want to do it, but we. <laughs> that episode we put out as an emergency buffer episode. <laughs> Don't be like that. Be like the cool kids and send us suggestions. Right. Zoom out and move the panel over to find the like button <laughs> and smash it. The hidden folks like buttons. Yes. Goodbye. Hidden my folks by mom. Hidden. That's the only way you could do that one. <laughs> mom hid my folks. Mom <laughs> hid my folks. My folks hid my game. <laughs> hidden my game by folks. Hidden my folks by folks.